Matthew chapter number 16, and we're going to look at two verses tonight, and uh, we're going to be rather quick uh, on our time. We're a little bit short on time tonight, so I'll try to get through this whole message. If not, we'll pick it up next week for sure, but Matthew chapter number 16, verses 24 and 25. And we're continuing our series, and we really only have a couple more lessons on this series of uh, continuing in the work of God, continuing in the work of God. And what we're going to talk about tonight is an essential part of doing God's work, and that is you and I being fully committed. You cannot do God's work in an effective way, in an effective manner, without being fully committed to God. So in Matthew chapter 16, what we're going to study tonight is really something that Jesus shared with his disciples. He didn't share this with just everybody, the whole public, but with those that were with him, those that were closest to him. And so it's something that you and I need to really pay attention to tonight if if you say, well, I'm, I'm walking with God, we talked about a walk of faith last week, and if you say, listen, pastor, I'm trying to walk, and this week was a good week for me, I, I was close to God, and, and I took time with Him, and really walking with Him, and if that's your heart tonight, and if you can really give testimony to that, then you really want to hear what Jesus is saying, because He's talking to those that were walking with Him. He's talking to those, he's speaking to some men that were around him and women that were truly following him. And he gives them these words. Notice he said, then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. If any man, you and I fit there, if we're going to be followers of Christ that do God's work in our life, we're going to have to be one of those any. And he says, if anybody's going to do that, if anyone's going to accomplish that in their life, then they're going to have to understand that they need to be committed. But what does that really mean? Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes we get in our minds that being committed is what we're doing right now, tonight. Like, hey, I'm at church, and I come to youth, and listen, uh, Pastor Jeremy, you could go through the attendance, and I bet you could see my name, and I've probably been here at least five Wednesdays in a row, maybe more. And I guarantee you, if I went through my list, my attendance list, the vast majority of you were probably here at least 90% of the year. You've maybe missed two or three in the whole year, in 52 weeks, you've maybe missed three or four meetings. And sometimes we get in our minds the idea that commitment is being here that many times. But you know that's not commitment. Now that's consistency, and your walk ought to have some consistency in it. You ought to want a desire to be here, and I'm glad that you have a desire to be here as many times in the year as you possibly can make it. But that's really not what commitment's all about. And that's what Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples as he's talking to those that were with him all the time, 52 weeks in the year. He's saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, if any man is going to follow me, there are three things you're going to have to do that really add up to what commitment is. 
I want to look at that tonight. Look, first of all, there in verse 24, he says, if any man will come after me, he says, first, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Now, this is important, this of denying ourselves, because you see, the Greek word there, deny, isn't signifying when someone is accusing you of something and you say, no, I didn't do it. That ever happened to you maybe at school or somebody's like, hey, you took it. And you're like, no, no, I didn't. I didn't take it. That wasn't me. Or someone said something. They think it was you. And you go, no, no, that wasn't me. You're denying an accusation. But that's not what this word deny means. In the Greek, this means to disown, to abstain. To say, I want no part of that. Now, the only other place, and maybe not the only other place, but one of the other places in the Bible that the same word in the Greek is used is the night that Jesus was betrayed. The night that Jesus was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that all of his disciples fled. They ran away. And it says that when Peter was asked later that night, aren't you a follower? It says that Peter denied him. And it wasn't just that, oh, no, no, no. It means he totally disowned him. Like, no, I, I want no part. Of, I don't even know who that guy is. I want no part of him. I don't, even, I, I don't even know him. I don't even know what he stands for, what he looks like. I, I care nothing for him. Do whatever you're going to do to him. I don't know him. I don't care. You just totally disown. In my Bible reading this week, I was reading in the book of Mark, and I'm already at the, uh, I'm, I'm doing a chronological uh, Bible, and so when you do a, when you read through a chronological Bible, it it goes through when Jesus was first born all the way till when he died, and it goes through event event as it happened. Now, when you read like the Gospels, it doesn't always tell you what happened next, and then what happened next in his life, and then what happened next in his life. Sometimes it varies, but in a chronological Bible, they can give you they break it down and try to give you as best as as possible. You know, when he was younger, that's what hit happened in his second year in ministry, then his third year in ministry, and this is how it happened as it went, a timeline, if you will. So I'm in the timeline where uh, Jesus has already uh, been betrayed, but it's interesting that Mark gives us, and it's the only gospel, he gives this story, and I found it so interesting when I was reading, actually I was reading it yesterday in my Bible reading, and I thought it was so interesting. I had never noticed it before, these verses, I don't know why, but I, I just hadn't. But the night that Jesus was betrayed, as the soldiers were taking him, in Mark chapter, I think it's 14, in verse 52 and 50, 51 and 52, there's a young man, he says, and there was a young man that followed after them. And he said, and the soldiers noticed the young man, and they went and they grabbed him, and the Bible says he was, he was in a linen cloth, he was wearing just a, a linen cloth, and they ripped it off of him, and he ran away naked. And wouldn't follow him any longer. And that's where the story ends. Doesn't say his name. Doesn't say anything about who this young man was. Why was he following them? Was he a follower of Jesus? Was he just interested in what was going on? Uh, it kind of describes the hatred that these soldiers had when they went to get Jesus. They were just grabbing anybody. They didn't care. They didn't even ask questions. They were just like, uh, if, you're, if you're following us, it's good. then we're going to take you too. And but it's amazing to me that this young man preferred to run out naked, naked. He had no clothes underneath, naked, than stand there with Jesus with clothes. And it made me think about that word deny, because that's what it means, totally disown. I'd rather do the very opposite than identify with you. 
So Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of me, you need to totally disown yourself. Not just the idea of, no, no, it wasn't me. No, just say, I don't want nothing to do with that. To totally disown. That's the idea here. Now, why do we need to disown ourselves? I'll tell you, first of all, because of our nature. We have a sinful nature. We have a fallen nature. Psalm 51.5 says that we are born in sin. We're conceived in sin, and this sin is something that it, it absorbs every part of our life. And Jesus says, you need to deny that, that nature that you have. It's our nature to be selfish. It's our, na- it's our nature to be hurtful and hateful. It, it's in our nature. It's who we are. One of the reasons you need to deny and disown yourself is because there's really nothing good in you. That's why he his life where he says, I realize there's nothing good in me. That's important, young people, because let me tell you something. We can go through our life, and you can go through your teenage years thinking you're really something. We do a real good job of thinking we're really something. I wish I could say it's only in your teenage years, but it isn't. But it can start there. And you become good in, in, in a sport, and now I'm something. You do real good in class, and you get really good academically, and now I'm something. You get out of high school, and you go to college, and you get a degree, and now I'm something. And it's amazing how many times we can really disobey our parents, be disrespectful to our parents because, hey, we're something. And that's why Jesus said, if you're me, you got to deny that. Own that. That's not an attitude that can follow after me because you have that kind of nature. Quit thinking you're something because you're not. Paul said, man, I, I've realized in Romans chapter 7, and you can read it, in Romans chapter 7, Paul finally said, you know, I've just found there's nothing good in me. Even those things that I think are good really aren't good. I found that my motives many times are very selfish. And this, there's just in me, there's nothing good. Because of why? Because of my nature. Because my nature is not one to follow after God. It's one to rebel against God. But not only because of our nature, also because of our heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The psalmist many times says, Search me, O God. Know my thoughts. So many times we've got to take time to say, Man, am I really denying myself? Because you know what? My heart, my heart is wicked. I got to disown sometimes some of my dreams because you know what? My dreams aren't the best for me. You know why many young people don't decide to follow Christ with their life? You know why many times that happens? It's because they can't give up their own dreams. It's because you don't understand. I've always wanted to be an RN. It's because, Jeremy, you don't understand. It's always been my dream to do this in life. And many times we stop following Jesus because we can't deny ourselves. Because we hear the world say, hey, 
heart desire to go after it. Because we hear in every Disney movie, it's all about your heart. But Jesus said the very opposite. He said, deny yourself. He said, you're going to follow me, deny your dreams. You know, it's funny, but if we can learn to just deny ourselves, you'll find that verse 25 makes perfect sense. Because the first time you read verse 25, you kind of scratch your head. He that will lose his life will find it, and he that will find his life will lose it. Huh? And the only way that that can be confusing is when you don't deny yourself. When you don't deny your sinful nature, when you don't deny your heart, commitment is all about yourself. Secondly, this evening, commitment is all about taking up his cross. Jesus said, if you will be a follower of me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. You know, the cross in Jesus' day was a symbol of shame. Nobody wanted to die by the way of the cross. The cross from what history tells us, came in about 519 B.C., around there with the Persian Empire. And the way and the reason that they did it was they were trying to give the most gruesome, terrible death to their enemies. They wanted the enemies to fear them so much that they said, if we capture you, we're not just going to beat you, and we're not just going to cut your head off because that's going to be too quick. We want you to suffer. We're going to torture you. The cross was one of the worst ways that you can die because basically what you do is they suffocate you. But it's worse than drowning because they actually give you a chance to try to get some air. They'll nail your feet on a cross on the bottom where you can get on your tippy toes and it's going to be excru it's just excruciating pain because there's a nail keeping you down. But if you just pull up a little bit on your tippy toes, you can get a breath of air and survive just a little bit longer. The idea of the cross was to torture you to death. And there are accounts in history of people that would take up to a week to die on a cross as they so slowly suffocate themselves. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, those that walk with him closely, those that knew him best, saying, you need to take up your cross. Take up your cross. It's something of shame. It's something of torture. And Jesus ain't doing that. Why would he say that? What's he trying to tell his disciples? Not only do you need to disown yourself, but now take up your cross. What does that mean? Well, if the cross was something that was torturing, if something shameful, something that was difficult to endure, not everyone can endure, not, not, not everyone could go through that, then why is he saying that? It's very simple. First of all, he's saying that because the cross is something that can only be taken up in your life through him, through Jesus. You can't do it on your own. You try to live the Christian life on your own and you can't make it. It's a, it's a heavy burden to bear. It's too heavy. You know, it's funny. We, we, uh, we have some guys here that probably like to work out a little bit and, and lift some weights. But even in the strongest man competitions, and sometimes they come out on ESPN, 
I've never seen one of those strongest men actually pick up a bus on his back and carry it. Now, they've been able to pull a bus, but never pick up a bus on the back and just carry it. And you know why? Because the bus is too heavy. <laughs> They're simply not strong enough to be able to do that. Let me tell you something. In your Christian life, take up the cross. You can't do it on your own. That's why you need Christ. In other words, what Christ is saying, if I can put it in plain English, he's saying, me, if you're going to follow me, you need me. You need, a, you need me to help you carry your burdens. You need me to help you get through the Christian life. And then another reason is victory. Today, we proudly display the cross in different places, sometimes on our Bibles or on backpacks or on uh, wherever. Sometimes in our home, we'll, we'll hang a picture and it'll be of a cross. And today, the cross is a sign of victory. It used to be a sign of shame and torture, but now it's a sign of victory. Jesus knew that. What he's telling his disciples is two things. Number one, if you're going to follow me, you've got to depend on me. And number two, if you're going to follow me, you'll find victory through me. That's the only way. That's what taking up your cross means. Commitment is all about denying your own desires, denying and disowning yourself, and it's about taking up, depending on him more and more. And let me give you the third thing tonight and we'll be done. He says, follow me. Commitment is denying ourselves. Commitment is taking up the cross. And commitment is following him. To follow him, the word there, follow, literally means to be on the same path right next to him. To be on the same path that he's going. To see what he is seeing. To do what he is doing. To follow where he is going. Let me ask you something this evening. Who are you following? It's funny as we live in the day and age in which we live, we have social media and there are things like Twitter and Instagram and, and I've even caught myself sometimes asking, hey, so, so are you following this person? Funny, sometimes Rochelle will tell me, oh, I, I follow this person. Oh, I, I, on HGTV, there's this uh, couple, Chip and Joanna Gaines, and I follow them, I follow their Facebook, and I follow their Instagram. And so we know what it means to follow. It's not a new concept to us, but I'm wondering, who are you really following? Because we all follow someone. And I'm not talking about who do we follow on social media. I'm saying, who are you following and what you're doing with your life? And the decisions that you're making and the path that you're following and the dreams that you're chasing, whose are they? Who are you following today? There in your notes, true faith and true commitment will stay in the path of God. You'll stay right. Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to follow where I'm going. Did you know that of the 12 uh, disciples... Minus Judas, so the, the last 11 there, 10 of them were killed for their faith. They all died martyrs, except one, which was John, who wrote the book of Revelation. And then came along and was saved. And you know what? Paul gave his life. And then Timothy came along, and Timothy gave his life. And you know that for the most of the first century, anybody who followed Jesus gave their life for him? 
Let me ask you, if that was still the case tonight, would you be here? If you knew that there was a possibility that someone would come and take you away and take your life, would you be here? Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, that's the kind of commitment it's going to take. You're going to have to follow me. Get on my path. Then I want you to notice, lastly, following always leads to a greater commitment. As we stay on that path, you'll see as you continue to grow and grow. You'll see on that path, Jesus will show you more areas in your life that you need to deny yourself, more areas in your life where you need to depend on him and take up the cross, and more areas in which you need to follow him. And the cycle keeps going and going. That's commitment, young people. Commitment, deny myself, taking up his cross and following him. I'll just read this last quote. Joseph Stowell was writing about David Livingston. He wrote this in his diary in a, in a book called the Through the Fire. He said, I think of David Livingston, the pioneering missionary to Africa who walked over 29,000 miles. His wife died early in their ministry and he faced stiff opposition from his Scottish brethren. He ministered half blind. His kind of perseverance spurs me on. As I run, I remember the words in his diary that said, and this is what David Livingston wrote in his diary. It was a prayer that he wrote. He said, send me anywhere, only go with me, Lord. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me, Lord. Sever me from any tie but the tie that binds me to your service, and to your heart. That's commitment. That's commitment. I wonder who the next David Livingston is here in our youth tonight. Or the next Amy Carmichael. Do you know, David Livingston has dreams too. So did Amy Carmichael. So did a lot of these great people. They came to a, a point in their life where they said, if I'm going to follow Jesus, my dream of being a doctor is really not the most important dream. And they left London, and they left their nice homes, and they went to places like Africa. Many of them gave their life. Many of them were, were killed by tribesmen because they were committed. It was all about the work of God for them. How about you tonight? What's life going to be all about for you?